How does the rhythm or the groove of a song affect the way that it's perceived by the listener? How is it possible that two songs can have the same exact drum part, but still sound so drastically different from each other? And how do the skills of programming drums on a computer and playing live drums intersect? Welcome to Everyone Special and No One Is, a podcast about obscure, misunderstood, and or controversial topics related to music. Today's guest is Sam Enix, who is a very talented drummer, producer, and musician. So welcome, Sam. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you because we're going to be getting into it today. We're going to be getting into the details of the things that you specialize in. And I'm very, very excited to have this conversation. Thank you, man. I'm also excited. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so I was wondering if you could just talk about like who you are, what you do, your, your background, like, you know, your, your journey through music in a nutshell, mm. you know? So yeah. Yeah. Um, I am, I'm primarily a drummer. I have been drumming majority of my life since I was very, very young. Um, and around middle school age, maybe slightly earlier, I started messing around on garage band, just rearranging loops and stuff. And then that spun into logic later in high school and then much later Ableton. So I've been in addition to consistently drumming that whole time, I've been um, producing as well. And uh, I was a part of all the school band stuff, all the jazz band, percussion ensemble. Um, I briefly studied jazz and uh, music industry at uh, Moorhead for two years before I dropped out. And then I found uh, the school that I currently work at called Slam Academy, which is a Ableton-focused production school. And um, I also, I was also a part of like percussion ensemble and jazz combos in college as well. I And um, 2015, I drummed for the indoor drumline uh, Minnesota Brass. Wow. I played drum set for their for their front line, which is the marimbas and stuff, not the marching percussion. That's awesome. And I was in ba- I was in also in marching band in high school. I played the tenors or the quads, the four crossed. Um Yeah, I, I've had I've had a various like jam groups throughout the years and uh I definitely enjoy jamming with other musicians as well as like getting deep on the production side too with uh producer friends. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's really cool. Um one thing that I've noticed for myself is that in terms of like playing in a band versus producing music, like those two feel like almost polar opposite experiences, you know? <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. What would you say are the differences that you've felt between those two? those two paths, I guess. Yeah. That's, it's interesting. Um, because 
the more I've produced and the more I've played, I actually think my obsession with production has influenced how I approach live music and perhaps vice versa. Um, with having to be so intentional in production and so exact with where your kick drum is or like where things are placed exactly. Um, and then also learning the hard way of like less is more. Um, mm -hmm. I think there is things I've learned through writing songs um, on Ableton or whatever that I've now taken to the drum set, which uh, I don't think I, I think there's things there that I wouldn't have learned if I wasn't a producer. And there's also things the other way where like, I think I approach production. I mean, specifically drums and an arrangement as similar to a, a band arrangement in some ways when it's applicable. Otherwise, I mean, if I'm making like a crazy heavy bass thing, then yeah. uh, probably not as much, but yeah, I do think you're right. I think they're, they're very different, definitely different, like mindsets, like mm -hmm. totally different, almost parts of the brain in a way where one is just playing is just kind of a free flowing improv -y and, uh, obviously very physical thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and production is just very like, focused and independent to i mean it doesn't have to be but mm -hmm. like yeah uh, i think a large part of like why production is so interesting to me and, and continually interesting is because you don't need a you don't need bandmates like i i i am every single instrument when yeah. i if i want to be and and, and uh mm -hmm. i think that's very liberating and um i think it also is refreshing to also then come back to playing with other live musicians because then you're like, oh, these people, like I can write bass lines on my own, but like when you play with a real bass player, like they just have a completely different approach that you wouldn't even consider. So yeah, I think that it's, it's, I really enjoy being able to fully live in like both those spaces. Cause I don't think that there's, there is overlap, but like, just like you said, there, there's so much differences that it's, it's very satisfying in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And just like, I don't know, like I, I totally get like why people will prefer one over the other, you know, playing in a band versus producing, but it's like both of them unlock like that creative headspace in a different way. And I feel like they are both valuable and they both have their place. So I really love it that you are doing both and that you're very good at doing both. So thank you. Yeah. 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 Um, you briefly mentioned, but I'd love for you to just go into a little more detail on, um, your like education process, because as you said, you went to Moorhead, but then you left and went to slam Academy instead. Uh, what yes. was, what was that like? Yeah. Um, so when I graduated high school, um, I've always been that stubborn kid that like always told adults, like, I don't need a plan B. I'm just going to like yeah. do it. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I knew I wanted to study music post high school. Um, and so in my process of like looking around at schools, Moorhead had like a very good music program compared to the other state schools. And, um, this was specifically they had a jazz focused degree which was really appealing to me and 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 I was able to like have a focused instrument which is drums and um I also wanted to do the music industry program because that involved the production side of things and um 
I quickly realized as anybody who else who has studied audio engineering at any sort of traditional establishment, um, you're learning pro tools and you're learning signal flow and, and mic placement. And, and essentially you're being trained to be a, a, a studio engineer. And um, at the time I was making various types of uh, beats or electronic things. Uh, and no one really else around me was. And I definitely felt isolated up there. And, and, and just like in general, I didn't know a lot of people that were doing what what I did or what I wanted to do. Um, and so ultimately I felt like, because I, I will say that the, that my playing, my drum pl my drum set uh, playing like definitely improved while I was there. And I think it would have continued to do that if I would have stayed. But um, I definitely felt out of place on the production side of things. And in the sense that like, I was just like showing my teachers my projects and, and if it's like 170 instrument tracks and it's just like so many sounds and so many weird things happening that like for my instructor, it was just like not even comprehensible. And it's not like I'm doing something so impressive that he's like, whoa, I don't know how you're doing yeah. it. It's just like, <laughs> it's just not what they did. And right. um, so I did, I I decided to stop going. Um just because I wasn't, I felt like I, I could continue improving drums and, but I really didn't know how to improve production wise. I was kind of feeling very stuck. Um, I felt like I was in this middle, this kind of gray area ability wise where like I was better than the people around me, but like comparing myself to other professionals especially other professionals around the same age as me that had like clearly already been established for years like um i yeah i felt like i didn't know how to get to that next level and that school wasn't going to give it to me so i dropped out and and uh eventually through like a friend of my dad's who knew some people that worked at Slam, I got connected with Slam, and then I immediately was like, oh, man, like, this is what I should have been doing. This is what I wanted college to be. And essentially all it was was just, like, there's no degrees. You just hop in on a court. They teach, like, nine or ten courses on different production aspects, and you just hop in, and it's just all about the actual learning. And more than anything, it was a community of people that, that were doing the same thing, uh, regardless of style, everyone's using the same program. We're all able to share tips and tricks or opinions or whatever. Um, it was just an environment that I, I had never really uh, experienced before. And it really kind of opened up my my world, especially compared to how I thought of things before finding out about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's really, I feel like, remarkable, the way that you went from being, like, the only person who produces electronic beats at your school to then dropping out and moving into a place instead where that's, like, a whole community of people just like that. It's, like, yeah, totally. it's just a very an encouraging story to feel, to hear, because so often in music, it's it can be such a lonely experience, you know, just mm -hmm. like making music by yourself and maybe your music doesn't really sound like the music that your friends listen to or that your friends are working on. And it's just like 
just finding your place and being suddenly immersed in a community like that is such a special thing. And it's so important, I feel like, to be able to find that community. So Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's not it's not like terribly easy either. Yeah. Like uh <laughs> like slam slam it's not like there's a bunch of places like like that. Like uh huh, yeah. If you go to and, and I also also I wanted to clarify because I said I was like bet quote unquote better than my peers but it was like i I knew like one or two other people that were attempting electronic music and they had like just started trying and mm-hmm. so it wasn't like there was other people were who were as experienced but um but also it was like i had no resources outside of like random youtube tutorials of like <laughs> how can i actually pick up new things here yeah yeah i don't know on my own when i was like self-teaching or or not not a part of that community when i was producing for all those years beforehand um after i came to slam i realized like how kind of slow my progress was and so to answer your question once i got there it really rocketed up because i was actually able to have answers and i had people that knew more and and when you don't have those people or those sources you i had no gauge beforehand like i was just putting off stuff that i didn't understand for like oh i'll i'll get that like like synthesis, learning how synths work or, or like sound design stuff. Like I was just like putting that off because I was like, oh, I'll figure that out eventually. I don't know how to do that right now. And I have no like conceptual idea of how to like, it just seems unachievable, that kind of knowledge. And then when I came to Slam, I met people that did have that. And I and it obviously, and, and then the educate, like being in an actual class atmosphere, you're really going to learn that stuff. Um, but yeah, man, it was huge huge learning like just not learning curve but like shooting up as far as knowledge (laughs) goes just like it it, like i said it it, i man it does make me think about like where i would be if i would have found something like sam earlier you know yeah but i don't want to get in those thought patterns because that's no (laughs) yeah that's that's not helpful (laughs) yeah 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 that's amazing um yeah, I was wondering if we could get into, like, from the perspective of someone who is both a drummer and a producer, just, like, what differences do you see in genres between different grooves? You know, like, mm. how does the genre affect what the drummer and or percussionist and or percussion track is playing? Sure. Um, it'd be good to point out that, like, all of these genres... I think each element has a different role and in those kind of in like pop or just kind of indie stuff, the drums are not the focus and they are really just a supporting element. And um, even within different styles too, you within the drums, you might have different levels of priority as far as volume. Like if you're talking like anything like metal rock or dubstep that kind of stuff the kick is one of the loudest elements in the entire in in the entire song not even just within the drum set yeah the kick and the (laughs) snare are super important but then you go into stuff like like jazz or funk and 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 the kick is like the almost the least important and and it's more about the snare and the cymbals and uh yeah i i I could even play you so i was gonna yeah i have some examples here um, we were talking about how 
some drum grooves can just be the same, but it's the surrounding elements or it's the sound choice. So I'm gonna play. This is uh, this is the Strokes' "Reptilia," very very uh, classic song. Um, but I just I wanted to focus on just the drum groove, and then I'm gonna play another song that has the same exact drum groove, but it's gonna sound totally different, and, it, and it's around the same tempo. So this is "Reptilia." That's just a simple kick on the one and then a kick on the and of two and which, which that's that's a that pattern right there is is used in hip-hop and r&b yeah everything and, <laughs> and everything that that's such it's a yeah. very clat like typical drum pattern but like I'm not sick of it. Like, yeah. you can just throw it's It's great. Like, it always, yeah. it, it doesn't always work. I shouldn't say that, but like, I don't know. Yeah. Boom, ka, boom, ka, boom, ka. Yes. Boom, ka, totally. Boom, ka, boom, ka. <laughs> I'm going to play this other, uh, this other tune with the same exact drum beat, same groove, but it's going to sound uh, a bit different. So that track was uh it's called Nixon. It's by QZB and Emperor. Um that's a drum and bass tune. There's a European guys um drum and bass is I mean it it's kind of in the name. The 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 priority yeah. <laughs> is the drums and the bass. And and typically there's not a ton of other elements besides that. Um but you can even compare the mixes in those two too. Like in the second one the kick and the snare are like prominent. They're dead center. There's pretty much nothing else that's overpowering them. And then in the Strokes song, it's it's the guitar and the vocals that are really on top of everything. And then the drums are not even really changing. There's just kind of a steady uh, body underneath it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's the same exact pattern and it's pretty much the same tempo. Yeah, that's crazy because those two <laughs> sound so different. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I mean, and then yeah. obviously all different sound choices as well. Of course, like the second yeah, one is this. super synthesized drums, yeah. and all synth sounds, and the, the others are like all acoustic. Yeah, um, but it's really remarkable that if you were to actually write out the drum parts, it's literally the same thing. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. both just playing eighth note hats, and it's that that same kick and snare pattern you were singing. Yeah, yeah. Um, my friend was taking a class where one of the assignments that she had was that she had to. I think record uh like record audio on her own and then manipulate that audio of something wh- whatever it was like whatever sound she decided to make and then manipulate that audio and turn it into a kick drum. Mm. And <laughs> mm-hmm. how how yeah. would you even go about doing that, you know? So like, what would you I think um well if if you're looking at uh completely synthesized kicks which are like kick drums that are just completely made from a synthesizer yeah um the main thing that's happening is a very quick change in pitch so it's a very quick and and drastic pitch change typically going high to low but it's happening so quickly that it just goes it's just something it, like if you if you gradually did it'd be like two two
So like you're shortening that curve. So if she had to record an audio clip, you could hypothetically just pitch it super low, like whatever, like if she recorded her knocking or even if it wasn't, you could take a sample, pitch it really low and then automate the pitch to actually start very high and then go to that very low point. Wow. Um, which would give it a bit of an attack and, and, and some punch. And then the low end where, where the pitch is ending up at the end of that curve is going to give you some beef. And then from there you could, uh, you could, you could process that to make the low end sound beefier, sound more full. And if you really wanted to get <laughs> crazy with it, you could even separate that transient, the punch, uh-huh. the punch, initial yeah. punch sound. And then you have the body where like the, beef of the low end is you you could even separate those two and then process them individually that's wild but <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> yeah that sounds like a fun yeah, sounds like a fun yeah. Song, um <laughs> yeah so uh a hard pivot um some songs even though like we said earlier a lot of songs do have the snare drum on just beats two and four which is also known as the mm-hmm. backbeat um there are also songs that push the envelope on that convention and try to do it in different ways. You know, do you have any um, perspective or opinions on that? Yeah. Um, I am a huge fan of funk music. Uh, It's one of my first loves uh, alongside rock. And um, I think in both of those, uh, people mess around with with moving the snares around and um comparisons to be drawn between like funk and rock with how they syncopate their drums and and where they move their snare around and 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 a certain electronic genres as well um and i think what what allows this to happen and, and be effective is 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 a lot of times syncopation but also like the idea of like a ghost note and ghost notes are in drumming terms, ghost notes are the little snare notes that you're playing that are not the big backbeats. And, um, in instances like funk, uh, I personally, I'm a big fan of very like linear, uh, rhythms, meaning that like every note is being, every 16th note, like every is being occupied but the sounds are going to be different. It's not like the same instrument. It might be the bass that's occupying some of those might be the little snare notes. And so I think those in-betweens help give those shifts, uh, more of a place and, and make them feel like they are not just like off, you know? And then when you get into funk and, and like live music, like I was talking about before with ghost notes, um, this is, this is a song called, uh, Vuela Por Noche by Tower of Power, which is, probably my favorite funk group of all time i really like how the snare moves around how the whole group there's just so much rhythmically interesting here and if it was just a simple snare backbeat it would definitely take away from why i think this like groove is so compelling So 
the snare is if you were to compare it to just a regular two and four backbeat the first backbeat is moved late the second backbeat is actually still on the four and then the next backbeat is i believe a 16th note early and then there is no there's no like fourth one like it, i don't know <laughs> and, it, and it, it variates yeah. as it goes and and uh yeah i just think there it, it, um there's there's quite a few genres here's another quick example of uh of an electronic song that that does it not as complicated but it's still a slight move I, and it's just a, a just a shift of one sixteenth note but i think it adds so much to the pull of the groove So that if you broke that drum, that's and that's that song was a uh, uh, Fuego by Coan Sound and Asa. If you if you wrote that drum part out, it is just the kick is just on one and three, and the second backbeat is just a sixteenth note earlier. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> and I think, and I think if there wasn't all of the other rhythmic thing happening, like I was talking about, where it's linear, where there's a lot of every sixteenth note is occupied by something. If none of that space was there, I don't. It wouldn't have that pull. It, it wouldn't that that last sixteenth note wouldn't have that like oh man, it, it works and it's like really just kind of hitting you out of nowhere. And it just yeah, I don't know. It it it's yeah, uh, it's funky. It is. It is. It like makes me like second guess it when I'm listening to it. It's like oh oh yes oh you know because <laughs> I'm so yeah. used to hearing. Yeah snare drum literally only on beats two and four for like so much music i did a project on this topic in one of my um it, it was like a speech class where i had to give a speech on a topic and so i gave a speech about the prevalence of songs that use the snare drum on beats two and four and after doing like 15 hours of research i or something like that i figured out that approximately 90 percent of popular charting songs use the snare drum on beats two and four and 90 percent for anything related Oof. to music like like love songs you know <laughs> it's like the the joke is that every single song yeah. is about love well according to a research article which i cited in the in a different episode on this podcast about romantic songs so i'm not going to recite the article but anyway mm. according to that article 67% of songs are about love or romance. And so yeah, there's a very loud noise out my window and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a plane. You didn't, I didn't hear it. Hear okay, it. good. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. So 67% <laughs> of songs are about love and it feels like almost every song is. So the fact that it's only 67% is almost like, okay, wow, well, it's not it's still super prevalent. It's still the most popular topic among all other topics, mm -hmm. but that the snare drum is 90% of songs <laughs> of popular, at least popular charting songs, you know, according to yeah, the, yeah. the, the research that I did, it's insane. It's insanity. Yeah. I think it, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just, it's simple. And for people that aren't musical or, even if they are, it's just it's it's a very it's it's accessible. Yes. That's what it is. And and like uh I think I think house music is like one of the like it has to be one of the most worldwide like popular genre. Like 
it may not be huge in the US, but like places like like Spain or, or like South America or you go to like Europe, it's like so big and it's been big. And and house music at its core is just a quarter note kick drum and a snare on backbeat on the two and four. And it's always at the same tempo. It's very loopy. It's very predictable, but it works because it's driving and it's consistent and it's not like catching you off guard. Yeah. And and sometimes things that are predictable can be bad, but like it also it, it's not. There's there's no absolutes, exactly. yeah. but like there's something to that where why like house is just universally accessible, and it's just the most simple possible exactly. beat. But it works. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there, there, there is nothing wrong with using a rhythm if it works. I just my only thing is that I don't want to only listen to music that has that one rhythmic feature in common, you know? Because <laughs> sure, there's sure. so much more out there. Yet that being said, it is really interesting that in genres like house or like pop or like country, like. If you broke it down by genre, my guess, I have not done this research, but my guess is that you mm. would be much more likely to have that feature in common with all of those songs as opposed to then you go into like yeah. funk and jazz, like you've said, and then you're much more likely to find um, songs and rhythms that push that envelope and more specifically, like even crazier time signatures, like instead of four beats mm-hmm. in a measure, you might have seven or five or 13 <laughs> you know yeah, yeah 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 and then those like if, as soon as you're out of like a perfectly symmetrical meter like four yeah. there is no actual even back exactly like it's always going to feel somewhat yeah because it's impossible and, which yes. can be fun yes exactly yeah. and um <clears throat> I love it that now Taylor Swift collaborating with The National on her newest two records, like two of the songs Mm -hmm. on the album Evermore are in 5-4 time. And it's like you wouldn't realize that just by listening to them because they still sound very accessible, yet like you you count it out and it's like they're in 5-4. The songs are uh, Tolerate It and Closure, and we're not going to play clips of those, but... I urge everyone to go listen to those two Taylor Swift songs because it's genius that <laughs> somehow she yeah. manages to pull that off and make it still be, for all practical purposes, pop music, you know? Yeah, but, totally, totally. Yeah, No, rhythm is just endlessly fascinating to me. Yeah, and I think with, because uh, you said like, like you said, 90% yeah. of <laughs> chart topping music has the two and four backbeat. But the thing with that style, like I said, is like the drum is not the focus. It, it is yeah. it is everything else around it. If the drums are going to be that simple and, and frankly kind of boring, <laughs> then everything else, it's up to them to keep the listener's interest. Yeah. I was wondering uh, if we could actually... Um, listen to one of the tracks that you've produced and if you could just talk about like the process of putting the drum parts together and you know just going through that totally yeah yeah let's do it yeah so um do you want to just introduce it and talk about it sure um this track is part of a batch of songs that i started actually several years ago at this point um part of my 
initial like when I was taking classes at Slam, um, learning Ableton. Uh, so this song I started a long time ago. I should have finished it a long time ago, but I'm finally it it is finished now. Um, it started with the main synth loop at the in the beginning section, and and typically when I when I arrange out parts, um, the drums are are almost always one of the last things I put in. I like to have some sort of groove with the lead elements, um, and and make those rhythmically interesting before or somewhat rhythmically interesting before I introduced rhythm in the in the in the form of drums because i do feel um i feel if i start with drums sometimes you can almost lock yourself into a specific groove um which might not actually benefit the whole song at by the end of it um so if anything i I will just throw like a two and four backbeat snare in there um just to kind of mark it and, and write stuff around that um and this track, the percussion, there, there's a lot of layers of percussion. My process is for these kinds of tracks where there is a lot of elements is very gradual. And it's interesting because I, after I have kind of the bass layer down, a lot of the extra detail in the percussion and a lot of the little elements that come in and they, they're not like repeating a lot, um, I'm I'm putting them in while I'm listening to like the whole song. So I'm like listening to the full thing with all the, the bass and the and the lead and the chords. And I'm throwing in little moments just to kind of uh hold over energy or or maybe it's like a little filler thing or just little accent points, little ear candy things. I'll do that a lot while I'm listening to the full mix and then then this funny thing happens is like way later I might just isolate just the drums and like to me it's like hearing a new thing. I, I didn't write those drums just just yeah. listening to the drums. I, I was writing them to be paired with all the other elements. Um, so yeah, this is... I, I If I were to have started this song more recently, I would like to think there's not as crazy amount of elements. But I think I did a decent job of like taming them or at least not having it be too much of an overload. I don't know. I, I, I like music that is is... It doesn't feel like it's looping. Like it feels like it's just changing, and there's new elements happening. Yeah, yeah. The idea of something happening once and not happening again is, is fun to me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So let's listen to it. The track's called Nerium, and then after this, I'll, I'll actually play the just the isolated, just the drums from this section. So here is now the uh, just the isolated drum parts from that section. That is so good. That is like, <laughs> that is some next level stuff. Like, I can't believe 
how a brain could even come up with all those ideas to put all of those elements into that one thing. Like, well, that's, that's a part of it where I was kind of saying like, it is so gradual that, that really like when I get to this point in a track, when I listen to back to something like that, I don't even feel like full ownership because it's not, there's no way I could sit down and like orchestrate all of that at once. It's really just a process of like, I think a large part of like this kind of style for me is just like putting way <laughs> too much stuff in. And then I'm just, and then it's just a process of like going in and taking out every little microsecond that I don't need of each element. So it's really, everything's just kind of poking in when it yeah. needs to, but I started out with like way too much Interesting. stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's really, really cool. Um, what you've said is now actually inspiring me. And now I want to go and try my hand at getting like really, really granular with it and just experimenting with some of the yeah. things that you described. Cause that's, yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and kind of going back to what I, uh, said like way earlier, um, I think I've taken some things from real kit playing into the drum programming and something I've noticed, uh, talking to other producers and stuff, um, cause people will occasionally ask me for like advice on, on their drums or, or just on a track in general. Um, and a thing that I have seen, like a trend almost that I've seen with people that like have no actual drumming experience is like a lot of times the feedback I'm giving is like, just put something consistent in, just put like, just put a quarter note or eighth note hat, something there, because if you like if you if you have a lot of elements already that are drums but it's still not feeling like it's actually driving a lot of times like what makes like i was saying what makes syncopation and cool rhythmic things interesting is they are playing off something that is not interesting mm. so like i think what makes a lot of those like like some of the tower power stuff i was playing there's there's hats happening like the hats are almost consistent and then the snare is the thing that's being weird but if the hats weren't there for the snare to play off of the snare would just sound weird like it, it only works because there is actually some there is a straight element happening that gives it that straight element the unchanging like almost quote-unquote boring thing is what makes every the weird things around it more interesting because they're yeah. they're playing off of that yeah because if your if your brain has at least something consistent to latch onto, then it's more ready to hear and interpret the other crazy elements that are. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. I did not totally know about that at all. <laughs> so thank you for wow. <laughs> um, no, yeah. of course. Um, sweet. Wow. Well, this was really fun. I I loved getting to do this. Um, Heck yeah, man! How can people find you? Where can they listen to your music? So uh, yeah, thank you again for having me. Of if uh, if you guys want to find me, um, I had I'm on. Or I I wanted to point this out. My the track I played earlier is is Sammy Knox tune, which is my kind of melodic, uh, jazzy, funky kind of alias um that's s-a-m-i-n-o-c-h-s and that's the that's the handle on on twitter instagram and facebook or whatever I'm, I'm on soundcloud uh 
I don't have a ton out at the moment. I've been producing for a while and I should have should have been putting stuff out, but I'm going to now. So you can check up on that. And I and in addition to the Sammy Knox project, I have uh, a project called Sam Joe, which is uh, completely opposite of that. It's just going to be like super hard, aggressive bass music and uh, dubstepy or drum and bass or however you want to call that stuff. But so that's that. And here, here's a little snippet of that stuff since we didn't play any, but just to give you a little idea. But yeah, um, and then if, uh, yeah, you can follow me on any of those socials. I'm also trying to start doing a lot of session work. So it, with drums, I recently, within the past handful of months, got my full drum recording home home setup uh, all, all up and running. And I've already had a couple people ask for just, they needed live drums on a track of theirs or something. And, and so if anybody's out there that needs live drums for any reason... Hit me up. I can I can do it no problem and and yeah. Nice. Yeah. Check him out. Very exciting. Very exciting times. Uh what do what do I see? I see um I see my exercise ball. It's very large. It's on my bed right now because I didn't that was the best place to put it. <laughs> what mm. do you see? <laughs> um I see foam on the walls good we got foam we found a yeah if anyone's out there looking for acoustic treatment um my roommate who's also a musician found like on craigslist this guy posted that like they just had an excess of packing foam they were going around to like walmarts and stuff and just asking them like hey do you guys need this foam and they're all like no we're just gonna throw we were gonna throw it you can take it so they were selling like trash bags full of assorted foam pieces for like five bucks a bag or something oh. so that that's our that's what our walls are all <laughs> down here but that's yeah fantastic. i mean hey if, if anyone's out there looking for cheap acoustic equipment just look on like craigslist or facebook marketplace or something like that because maybe you have a person like that near you yeah i am a person like that all that all those all those all that acoustic stuff if you were to like buy panels that are pre-made it's just so expensive compared to if you were to 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 do it yourself yeah for sure awesome well everyone out there all the listeners uh be safe stay well i hope everything's going good and um yeah thank you again sam this is amazing um i love talking with you and just hearing all of the knowledge that you have and all of the different styles of music and whatnot so yeah thank you man this was this was great this is uh i've never been on a podcast before hoping in a babble too long but no uh, it's awesome this was great dude i've been a fan i've listened i've listened to episodes and uh yeah it's great it's great i love what you're doing here and and i like i said i appreciate you having me on yeah for sure all right bye bye everyone Until next time. Bye. Bye.